the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith with your host, Barry, a pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Uh, well, tonight we bring you part four as we resume our brand new series entitled 11 Ways God Allows Suffering from a Biblical Perspective. When it comes to sufferings, people respond in many different ways. Eastern religion teach non-existence of evil and suffering in the world. And, and then there's the word faith teachers that teach that all suffering is a result of sin. There are even some people in churches who blame God. They blame themselves. They blame others. They blame everybody for suffering. Well, tonight, Dr. Buckner will break down the true biblical view of suffering. So buckle up, strap in, and get ready, for we are not pretending we are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that uh, <clears throat> introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know you're going to be blessed by our program tonight. <clears throat> We're talking about 11 ways why God allows suffering. And we know that uh, if you are a Christian, you're going to experience suffering in this world. Uh, Jesus uh, told us that over and over. So be prepared. Embrace it. Don't erase it. And, you know, with the holidays before us today, I want to just say this to all of you who are listening, that uh, this can be a joyous time for uh, a lot of us, but it also can be a time of depression, frustration, and anger uh, as the holidays start to intense and people start to get involved with the materialistic things of this world. It's easy to choke yourself with all of that and leave Jesus out, the real reason for the season. And uh, <clears throat> uh, experts have said that uh, the suicide rate is very high during this time. Uh, during November and uh, Thanksgiving and during Christmas time, we need to remember that as we deal with um, uh, our families, our uh, church members, friends, that um, people are internalizing a lot of stuff. And uh, we need to check in with people and ask the questions, how are you doing? Are you okay? How's things going with you and Jesus? And uh, be a support system for people because you never know what's going on in people's minds during this time. And there are a lot of people that uh, go and jump off the bridges and cut themselves, shoot themselves. And Satan is behind all that stuff because Jesus said in John 8 and 44, he's a murderer. He's a murderer. And we need to be uh, geared up with the full armor so we can stand against the wiles and the attacks and the darts of the wicked one from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. 
We have talked about uh, different ways and reasons why God allows suffering. And let me kind of like review some of this and then get to the seventh point tonight. Number one, God allows suffering in our lives to develop patience and perseverance. And oh, how we need that today. Secondly, God allows suffering in our lives to develop maturity. And a lot of us are immature, still on uh, milk not the meat of the word. So God has to take us to the woodshed to get us to the place of maturity. Thirdly, God allows suffering in our lives to assure us of our sonship, to know that we are his children, and he disciplines his children, uh, chasteneth them, as the writer of Hebrews says. Number four, God allows suffering in our lives to prove the genuine nature of our faith, to let us know that we are true Believers, we're true sheep of God. Number five, God allows suffering in our lives to develop in us humility. Because a lot of us are prideful, we want to do it our way or the highway. And God has a knock in us humility like he did with uh, so many people in the Bible and even the Apostle Paul. Number six, God allows suffering in our lives to keep us on the right track. And we know that so many of us get off track with our Bible studies, in our prayer life, in our study life, in our devotion life. We get off track with witnessing. We get off track with, um, you know, just being in the Word of God and having the Word of God in us. And God sometimes has to allow us to go through suffering to get us to that place where we stay on track, not off track. And the seventh uh, reason why God allows suffering in our life, and this is what we're going to be talking about tonight, is that God allows suffering in our lives in order to deepen our insight into the heart of God. God allows suffering in our lives in order to deepen our, our insight into the very heart of God. Oh, that's so powerful, to deepen our insight into the very heart of God. In Psalms 51, we find that King David went through tremendous suffering because of his sins of adultery and murder and the failures of doing what God called him to do. And God had to discipline him purge him, purify him, and to to deepen his insight into the very heart of God. And then he developed through that suffering a heart after God. David confessed his sins and said in Psalms 51 and 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalms 51 and 7, And David He says, purge me or purify me. Oh, how many of us need that today, a purging of God. The Bible calls David a man after God's own heart. In the book of Acts chapter 13 and verse 22, you might want to write that down. Acts chapter 13, verse 22. It calls David a man after God's own heart. And David is called a man after God's own heart after he had committed these grievous sins. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Why? Why? 
did God say he was a man after his own heart? What makes a person qualified to be described as such? Especially after their failures and their grave sins. Well, there are three reasons for such qualifications of having a heart after God. And I want you to make a note of all of these three qualifications of how one can have a heart after God. Number one, King David, despite his moral failures, was a man who obeyed God versus someone like King Saul, who was disobedient. King David was a man after obedience to God's most of the time, and this made him to have a heart after God, even despite the severe suffering in his life. In order for us to have a heart after God, we got to be people of obedience to God. No matter how difficult the suffering is, no matter how difficult the trials, the temptations, the failures in our life, we have to be obedient in those trials. We got to keep our eyes on God in those trials and continue to be obedient to God. Because if we're not weary in well-doing in due season, we will reap if we faint not. Jesus said, man, ought always to pray and not to faint. So David had a heart after God, number one, because he was obedient despite his sin. Oh, we need that today in our lives and in our churches and in our families. Number two, King David had a heart after God because he depended on God even in his suffering. We see this especially in the book of Psalms. Throughout the book of Psalms, it's a book of suffering in the life of David, and he's writing these Psalms as a musician, crying out to God and depending on God. The, the, the book of Psalms is a book of dependence on God. No matter how difficult your finances get, no matter how difficult the trials and tribulations and problems with the family, with your marriage, with people around you, the book of Psalms is a book that every Christian should be reading because it is a book of dependence upon God no matter how difficult the situations get in your life. We see this constant uh, thing and the difference between King David and King Saul. King David had a heart after God because he depended on God. But King Saul, who was independent of God, King Saul was so independent of God that in First Samuel, rather, First Samuel 28, this is the first time in the Bible that a seance is mentioned. And in 1 Samuel 28, he sought for the advice from a medium, a witch in the area of occultism. So he was independent of God in suffering, and he should have been dependent upon God in suffering like David. Number three, King David had a heart after God in his suffering, and this can mostly be seen when he was not in denial regarding the sin of adultery and murder, but he quickly repented of his sin 
in comparison to King Saul, who didn't repent of his sin. David had a heart after God because he quickly accepted his responsibility and repented of the sin rather than covering up his sins. Oh, so many people in our churches, in our homes, in people in life in general, when they do wrong, they got so much pride that they never admit that they have made a mistake. They never admit that they were wrong. They never bring forth the fruit of repentance like John the Baptist said. You got to go beyond just saying repentance, but the fruit, bearing the fruit of repentance. God can't use a man or woman who never admits that they are wrong. We say that there's 50 states, right, in the United States. I said there's a 51st state. That's the state of denial. If you want to have a true heart after God, you have to get past the denial and the hypocrisy that is brought about through true, genuine repentance. David went through genuine repentance, and genuine repentance means, listen to this, a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of will, and a change of thoughts. God allowed suffering in King David's life to purge and purify him and to deepen his insight into the very heart of God. God does this with us too. This is how he brings the deep insight into the heart of God. And when we develop, let me say this in closing, when we develop a deep insight into the heart of God, then we start to develop in our own very hearts a heart after God too. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for that uh, commercial break, we'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back <clears throat> to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Uh, so we just want to begin by thanking everyone who's been praying diligently for Contending for the Faith. Uh, we need your prayers to keep going. We also want to thank those who gave over the last week, Adam, Daniel, Jackie, Keith, Mon- uh, Monda, Sandra, Jermaine, Jim, and Kim. Uh, we thank you so much for your for your uh, obedience to God, for your diligence in prayer, and for your generosity in giving. It's such a, a blessing to us. It does cost us uh, four hundred a week to remain on the air, plus an extra hundred and fifty per month for our our podcasts, uh, so that you can listen anytime anytime uh, you want, day or night, on KFAX AM eleven hundred. Right now, we owe four hundred for four hundred fifty for last week's program and four hundred. Uh, for this week's program, it's a total of 850. We uh, don't want to go off the air, but if we get too far behind, well, we may end up having to do, to do just that. So if you've been blessed by the ministry and Dr. Buckner's teaching, it's time for you to, to step up to the plate financially and knock a home run for contending for the faith. I know many of you have been long-term listeners. Many of you have been with us from day one. And some of you have never, ever given anything. Uh, so it's time. We need your help to continue to do what God has called us to do. There's two ways you can donate. 
Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Second way is so much easier. Just go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. Click on the Donate button, and you will be a blessing for time and eternity. So important that you continue to pray for us and also partner with us financially here at Contending for the Faith. You know, we always ask folks to send us a note, let us know how the program has blessed you and so forth. Well, we received a nice letter from uh, one of our listeners, Jermaine, and it was just really inspiring and encouraging to know that how much the program has blessed him and how he's you know really convicted to donate this month. And so we thank Jermaine especially and uh, appreciate his words of encouragement and uh, especially uh, at times when, you know, we all need encouragement. It's good to know that someone is appreciating the work that God has called us to do. So, Dr. Buckner, you ready to go to the calls? Well, let's do that, uh, mm-hmm. Brother Gary. All right. We're going to go to Brother Rick on line one. Hello, Brother Rick. How you doing? We're truly blessed. How are you doing? I'm blessed as well. Oh, good. I I thought we'd go back to the very beginning of the Bible, and there might be some stuff that relates to what's happening tonight. Okay. And what's what's on your heart about that? Okay. We're going back to uh, Genesis 4, and we're going back to Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the controversies that have taken place among among those who theologians, students, and everybody else, is that we know that God was pleased with Cain's sacrifice, and he was displeased with Abel's sacrifice from the ground. Mm -hmm. Okay, we we hear the controversy, of course, uh, what Cain gave was a a blood sacrifice. I mean, what Abel gave was a blood sacrifice, excuse me, and Cain did not. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that uh, that gets around is uh, the heart of the two men are very different. Well, well that, I'd like to ask, give a breakdown on that. Well, that's a very good question, uh, Rick, because <clears throat> many theologians have debated uh, what was the main problem here uh, between uh, Cain and Abel's uh, offering, and. Um, you know, some uh, scholars believe that, uh, you know, uh, the mistake that Cain made was that he didn't uh, kill uh, a sacrifice like uh, Abel did, and he was supposed to do that and offer that uh, up to God, and they uh, hold to the fact that uh, this is something that God did in Genesis when Adam and Eve had sinned, and he killed an animal and clothed them. <clears throat> and so that's one position that some scholars hold. Um, and then there's other scholars, uh, like myself, uh, who believes that um, I don't think that God personally was going to uh, hold these men uh, responsible uh, because of their different occupations. I mean, both of them had different occupations. And uh, Cain was a tiller of the ground and worked with the ground. And so I think the issue was with uh, these two men was that uh, Abel made God his number one priority. And when he gave, he gave his very best 
from the heart. And then Cain, uh, his heart was not uh, giving God his very best. I think this is a real lesson for all of us that God needs to be number one, uh, even with our giving. And this is the thing that got, what, uh, Ananias and Sapphira in trouble, right? Because they didn't, they didn't give with a pure heart. It was hypocrisy involved with it. And I believe the same thing is going on with uh, Cain as well. Uh, so uh, to uh, emphasize that Abel brought the first fruits of his flock, the best that he had, and Cain, on the other hand, merely brought an ordinary fruit uh, to, from the ground, uh, you know, was a poor quality of giving. His heart was not really into giving God his best. Therefore, the differences between the two uh, offerings is that Abel brought the best of what he had, while Cain did not bring the very best to God or to the Lord. Uh, Cain uh, offering shows the indifference and carelessness, and the heart and the attitude of Cain was sinful. And this led him to bring in an inferior offering and not his best. I think anything less than our best, I always say this, anything less than our best is a sin. And so it's a disposition of the heart. It's more of a disposition of a corrupt heart that God was looking at, you know, with Cain. But the disposition of Abel's heart was that I'm going to give God my very best. And all of us have different occupations, different types of jobs, and different types of work. And Jesus said in Matthew 6 and 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. Discipleship is, uh, the, the concept of discipleship is about 98% of the New Testament. Everywhere Jesus went was talking about discipleship. And he even challenged some people to put, him over your mother, your father, your brother. He said, hate your mother, brother, sister, and all of that. And the word hate in Hebrew is a Hebraic term, meaning literally to um, hate those things, not in a literal way, but to hate it when it comes between you and God, that you must not make that a priority. You know, so you must make him the number one priority in everything. And so D- Jesus kept rebuking people because they were putting their moms, their dads, their wife, their children. And even one, even one man on one occasion said, let me go back and bury my father. Because when Jesus was dealing with him, he said he wanted to follow Jesus. And Jesus said, do you realize, you know, this is the discipleship point. He said, do you realize foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Jesus is letting him know that, you know, discipleship with me is a homeless thing. Do you, have you count the cost? And then that man said, well, let me go and bury my father. Now, that was a Hebraic term, which meant that his father had not literally died yet. What it meant was... It was a Hebraic term, meaning that wait until my father, I want to wait until my father die, 
and when he dies, I will get the inheritance of my father, and then I'll be ready to follow you. See, people don't prioritize when it comes to Jesus with their tithes, with their time, their talent, and their treasures. We always make excuses, and that's the thing that gets us in a lot of trouble. So it's a disposition of the heart, and his heart was not giving God his best, and hopefully that helped you out. Amen. Now, and, 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 and I had a sense that it was the heart more than anything else that mattered. Absolutely. What we, what, we, what we always do. You're right on target with that, right on target. I mean, what Cain was practicing with religion, it's like he went through the motions, but Abel had a relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. And he did it from the heart. The Jesus said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, this is a thing that we have to totally put God, everything we have into serving God. If we don't do that, it's just uh, talking loud and saying nothing. Amen. Thank you so much for your call, brother. And I'm glad that uh, you asked a good question and it's worthy of a good answer. God bless you. Amen. All right. All right. We have time to go to Sally and Marin. How are you doing, Sally? I didn't think I was going to be on the air. <laughs> well, God had other plans. God had other plans for you. Okay. Well, you're on now. What's on your heart? Well, I I was talking to Frederick about um, prayer request for uh, your old friend Deborah Winterfeld, who is in much better situation than she was. Mm-hmm. She finally gave up her apartment and is in a nursing home. Mm. Now I've left a message so someone in your office knows about it. So, do you remember Deborah Winterfeld? Oh, yes. We ministered to her, and matter of fact, she took a class with me many years ago. And Um, that was a blessing. You discipled her, and somebody brought her to the Lord when she was in her teens, and that was the most wonderful gift for her, because talk about suffering. When you have a birth defect that makes you unable to be out of a, a wheelchair for your whole life, and to be bedridden in your 60s. You know, to be a Christian then in that situation is a wonderful gift. Oh, it really is. And I also uh, not only had her in our class, but we would go there and teach her and and my wife and I and Gary, but uh, we would visit her. But we also, uh, I gave her a CD by Johnny Erickson Tata, uh, on heaven, and Johnny Erickson Tata is a tremendous person to refer people to who like Deborah because she's uh, going through the same things but has such a ministry of encouragement and uh, she's such a blessing. So, And we thank God for you being there for her as well. That's why we wanted to connect you with her, and so we appreciate you uh, being there for her and updating us on her status. And one of the things that we like to do is get some information uh, that we can go and visit her and pray for her in person. We would love to do that. Well, if somebody would call me, I won't do it now, but if somebody would call me, I think you have my telephone number, because I've asked you to contact me about a letter that I sent you three years ago, and I'm sure I gave the telephone number. 
Yes. When I sent in my check, by the way, if anybody listens to this, you can certainly give to Contending for the Faith at least equal to a meal that you went out to eat. You know? Amen. Well, <laughs> we would agree with that wholeheartedly. That's because, right. Because uh, we, like Gary said, we're $800 now behind and uh, this is no joke. Uh, we need uh, people who are listening to this tonight and need to get very serious about this because uh, we just don't have the monies to put into this. Mm-hmm. So we're trusting the, the listening audience who are getting blessed to step up to the plate. So if you're hearing the program tonight and what Sally just said and what we've been saying, mm-hmm. you know, we want to encourage you to pray for us, but also, uh, you know, get on contendingfaith.org and Sent us a, a blessing tonight. You know, do the, let that miracle happen tonight. That's right. If you're getting ready to eat an eight hundred dollar meal, you need to fast and send it wow. to us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and a lot of times people go out and eat an eight hundred dollar meal with the, with the family. You know, versus you can go to McDonald's and right. uh, cut into that or another yeah. place. You know, Burger King. You or don't whatever. need to go to Ruth Chris <laughs> <laughs> for All that right. seventy five dollar. Uh, steak, you know. <laughs> Amen to that. Dr. Buckner, are you there? I'm here. Uh, would you pray for Deborah and especially uh, for the, um, and, I, and it's a hard name to know, but anyway, it's a it's a nursing home in Berkeley, uh, but uh, for that we can still contact. Now, I I write, I will write, be writing to her now because I sent her, she asked if I would send Rick's questions. And so, and his, and your answers. And so I've been doing that for the last, oh, about four or five, four months. Oh, God uh, bless you. But mm-hmm. I'm having a real hard time getting to her because she can only be on a portable phone when somebody is nice enough to take the time to bring it to her. And, and also, um, I have an eye condition that has been caught early. And I don't often ask, well, I've never asked for prayer before, but if you just pray for her. For me and my testimony as far as going through this. Uh, Let's do that right now. Thank you for sharing that. And we know that uh, when you're down to nothing, God is always up to something. Brother Gary, let's let's uh, lift these uh, prayer requests up right now uh, for right. Sally and Deborah as well. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we thank you for Sally. We thank yes. you for her, her faithfulness and her love for people, and especially for Deborah. And we pray, Lord God, that you would touch her eyes right now from the and just and bring healing, life, restoration, and wholeness, Lord God. You're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. And we know, Lord God, you are the great physician, and you never lost a case, and so you're able to heal. You're still in the business of healing. You spoke, and the universe sprang into existence. And so we know that you're able to touch our bodies because you created them, you're the architect of them, you designed them, and you're intimately involved in every cell in our being. You hold everything together by the power of your will. And so we know, Lord God, that you can touch and heal her eyes. And we pray for that for that healing grace, Lord God. Just like the woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, she knew that if she could reach out and touch the hem of your garment, that she would receive healing and life. And so we pray that these prayers would touch the hem of your garment in heaven and that the healing virtue would flow. We also lift up Deborah's situation, and we just pray, Lord God, that you continue to be with her, continue to bless her, continue to make uh, available the opportunity to have conversations by phone, and whatever it takes, Lord God, for us to, to be a blessing to her. 
We thank you today. We praise you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sally, thank you so much for your call, and God bless you. Thank you. All right. Take care now. We're glad you got home safely. We're glad you're back. That's why everybody called. Thank (laughs) you so much. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and Expert on the Cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Again, we want to encourage you all uh, to continue to pray for Contending for the Faith. We are in desperate need right now for your prayer support as well as your financial support. Uh, we're running a deficit of about $850, and we want to get that taken care of because it's, if it continues to grow, you know, you may discover one Saturday as you tune in to listen to Contending for the Faith that there is another program in its place. Uh, we can't continue to carry that kind of debt, and we need your help to retire it. Uh, it's so vitally important right now that if this program has blessed you, and if you've been a long-term listener or short-term listener and uh, been tuning in week to week and, and, and being blessed by the teaching, it's time for you to turn around and be a blessing to the ministry. There's two ways you can donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way is so much easier. Simply go on your laptop or your smartphone and go to contendingfaith.org contendingfaith.org and click on the donate button and it's that easy. Away you go. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. So uh, we want to encourage you. Continue to pray and uh, continue to uh, support us and partner with us financially here at Contending for the Faith. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements and challenging words. And uh, keep me in your prayers as well. I'll be uh, speaking at the Shasta Bible College uh, this uh, Wednesday coming, um, and Brother Gary is going to come out and help assist, and I will be speaking to the students uh, in the chapel on apologetics. And uh, one of my former students recommended me there, and one of the academic dean's assistants uh, used to listen to me on Contending for the Faith. And then also I will be <clears throat> teaching a class at through the seminary, in February, Gateway Seminary, uh, on 10-week course on the cults. Uh, and uh, Craig Roberts was so excited about that, he wants to air my class on KFAX, the 10 weeks of that. So some exciting things coming up, and then we'll tell you about the Bass Convention uh, that's coming up as well, where I'll be the leading workshop specialist doing three workshops, plus they asked me to be the keynote speaker for the Bass Convention uh, that's in will be in Castro Valley. So that's in March. So some exciting things coming up, and we are thankful to the Lord for the way he's opening up so many doors for me to speak in so many capacities. Well, let's get back to our callers. All right, so we've got a new caller tonight, Vivian. Welcome to Contending for the Faith. How are you tonight? Oh, hi, yes, good evening. Uh, am I on get ready to talk to Dr. Butler? Yes, uh, good to have you calling us tonight. And, and uh, what's on your heart tonight? Yes, and congratulations for all of your successful events. So Thank I you. want to know how do I know if I'm joining an occult church? I have joined a church. How do I know if it's an occult or not? 
Well, that's a good question. The, the way that you know that, well, first and foremost, is that you should never join a church unless you first get their statement of faith. So you want to first ask them for their statement of faith to find out what the church believes in. Uh, that's that's really critical. And then the second thing is you need to be discipled and have a, the sense of discernment. I kind of lay out the different Ds. You need to be discipled, and then you need to develop a sense of, of, of doctrine, and then you need to develop a sense of discernment, those, those three well, Ds. They, they, have, they have orientation where they orient you before you can actually be a full member. They tell you different things about the church. Yeah. So they do that. Yeah, but before you before you even go through the orientation, uh, look at ask for their statement of faith because you want to make sure that they believe in the essentials of the historic Christian faith. And when I say that, that's something that I'll be kind of like te- that I'll be teaching on at the uh, Shasta Bible College is that you need to know the essentials, that Jesus is the only way, and that you need to know that uh, salvation is not apart from him. And then also the Trinity, that they make sure that they believe in the Trinity, one God called Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do they Uh, have to teach them the King James Version Bible? Do they have to? Well, the King James Bible is one Bible, but uh, you can use the NIV, the New American Standard Version as a... uh, you have to watch out for some people that are just into the King James only. So uh, they, they, they are legalistic, and God has translations that are um, more modern and more uh, closer to the original Greek and, and Hebrew. And then so you need to make sure that they believe that Jesus is the only way, make sure they believe in the Trinity, make sure they believe in the deity of Christ, that he's God and man, and make sure they believe in the vicarious atonement that through his blood alone we get saved. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And then the last point is the bodily resurrection. Nemo Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ be not raised, our faith is in vain, we're yet in our sin. So you want to really get that statement of faith and make sure it's consistent to what I'm saying, what I just gave you, because that's, that's, that's critical to make sure, and there's a difference between the cult and the occult. The word cult, it, it simply means a group of people gathered around a particular leader, but they all share one common trait. They all deny that Jesus Christ is God in human form. A cult is anyone that denies Jesus as God in human form. The word occult comes from the Latin word occultus, and it means secret, hidden, or unknown. It's people into Ouija boards, tarot cards, and uh, you know, stuff like that, seances, yeah. seances and, you know, and palm reading and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that you uh, hear what I'm saying tonight Thank and you. check those things out and uh, you'll be okay. And then uh, call us back to make sure uh, they're consistent with that because we can help you along the way too. Mm-hmm. If you know thank that. You very much, Dr. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, Gary, go ahead and say what you're going to say. Then we'll I was going to say, you know, if you have the name of the church, if you can leave it with us, and we yes. can also look into it as well. Do some research on it. Yes. Right. Very good. Yeah. All right, let's get to our next caller. All right, so our next caller is Jermaine. Uh, Jermaine. How are you doing, Jermaine? Oh, I'm doing very well tonight. Oh, that's good. Thank you for your donation in the Lord and the encouraging letter as well. 
Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Long time coming. Amen, brother. And uh, keep uh, bringing the blessings on as well as praying for us. And what's uh, on your heart tonight so we use our time wisely? Yeah, I'll be quick. Uh, this, uh, the, the rap artist, Kanye West, he's, uh, you know, he supposedly had a, a conversion and has become a Christian now. And he's been touring the country doing what he calls a Sunday service. And I've seen a lot of people be receptive to it, but I know a lot of that's because of a celebrity. I was just curious if you had any thoughts about it. The, the pastor who he has preaching with him, I've ha- heard him actually preach the gospel. And I heard a one-hour interview with him. He actually um, said he's not actually Kanye's pastor, but he was preaching a sermon, and Kanye West stopped by, and then he came by again, and he completely ignored his celebrity, and he said, okay, well, maybe he's curious, because I guess at his particular church, he's a graduate of uh, John MacArthur's college, he says they, we just preach the gospel here. But um, I just wanted to, I know we can get into it next week, because there's not a lot of time left. I just was curious about your thoughts about a pastor mixing up with Kanye West, is, is that okay, or does it depend on the content and the legitimacy of his conversion? Well, yes, that what you said is is the key, and I think your question warrants uh, further dialogue, and we want to deal with this much more in detail next time you call. But um, I just want to say a few things that it doesn't matter what pastor you're connected with as long as uh, it, well, it matters, but you, it matters that you're with a pastor that's involved with the essential doctrines, like I was just sharing with Vivian, is that uh, if he uh, passes the test with what I just said, you know, the Trinity, the deity of Christ. When you look at people like uh, these musicians like Fred Hammond, you look at, and Gary knows what I'm talking about with this, and then the athletes like Deion Sanders and Primetime and Emmett Smith and Michael Irving, these guys, the big problem with them is that they haven't been discipled. And my concern with Kanye is that we make sure that we get to him where he's discipled because all these guys like Dion, Emmett Smith, and Michael Irving, and now Fred Hammond, they ended up joining with uh, T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes is uh, into modalism and into Sabellianism, which is Pentecostal oneness, where they say that the Trinity is Jesus only, you know. So my thing is that we get to these people and make sure that we disciple them. And I'm not for sure about this guy, Adam, that he's connected with and all this stuff. If he's connected, if he's been connected with John MacArthur, John MacArthur is a solid uh, Bible teacher. That I don't agree with some of the things that he teaches, like he doesn't believe in the perpetuity of spiritual gifts and stuff like that. But uh, I think that uh, if this guy was connected with him, he's at least going to be influenced in the right way with that. So anyway, let's do this. Let's uh, pick up with um, this conversation more on our next program because it warrants a further dialogue and discussion. Absolutely, Dr. Burton. I'll, I'll do my homework and I'll get back to you. Okay, thank you so much. And can we squeeze in? Uh, we got one more caller? Real Joe, quick. okay. Joe. Hello, yeah. Joe. Yes. How you doing? We only got about a minute. Uh, what's what's on your heart, Joe? Sure. My uh, question's really quick. It's can you be considered a Christian and still be pro-choice? Oh yeah, yeah. You can be a Christian and be pro-choice. Most uh, of them are. <laughs> huh? There are some. There yeah. there are some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's yeah. A, your 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 question to that is true. Yeah, pro, pro-choice. 
And uh, I'm sure that there's Christians that are confused the opposite way, too. But the pro-choice is uh, what we try to uh, encourage. So, you know what? Call back again once time we uh, on the air, and let's address this uh, on a biblical. Because pro-choice always needs to be connected with what is in the Bible. That's the the, the issue. Brother Gary, and we get to you, to you to knock a home run. There. All right, boy, we're getting all blasted here at the last second. Okay, well, <laughs> we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast, and uh, we'd like to thank Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. Uh, it's important for us to hear from you, your letters and cards, your encouragement. So, so please drop us a note. Let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us. You can reach Dr. Buckner by phone at area code 415-721-1778. Please keep us in your prayers until next time when we give you the opportunity to dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. <laughs> <laughs>